It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Good morning. It is Wednesday, October 7th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. On today's episode, we're about to have an interview with DJ Williams, the former Miami linebacker, was a star in the early 2000s, won a national title in 2001, two-time All-Big East player, first-round draft pick in 2004. He's one of those guys, when you think about the U, you think about DJ Williams, John Vilma, those linebackers in the early 2000s, those defensive backs they played with, Sean Taylor, Ed Reed. DJ knows a little bit about Miami culture and what it means for the U to be back. And on Saturday, we might find out if the U is back or if the U is close to being back or what the U being back status report is because number seven Miami goes to number one Clemson, ABC Game of the Week at 7.30 on ABC in an absolutely massive game that is the biggest one yet in this 2020 season. It's for Clemson. The biggest ACC game it's had since 2016, Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson in Death Valley, an absolute thriller. And Saturday's is going to be an awesome quarterback matchup. Derek King, the transfer from Houston against Trevor Lawrence, the best quarterback prospect in a decade. I can't wait to see what happens, and I can't wait to see what we're talking about on Sunday. If Clemson wins, I think you know what we're going to be talking about. Best team in college football, Trevor Lawrence, Dabo Sweeney did it again. Good luck to anyone trying to stop the Tigers. If Miami wins, it's going to be a week-long coronation. Miami as a playoff contender, as an ACC title contender, Manny Diaz as a coach redeemed, Derek King as a Heisman candidate, and the U as a program that has had so many ups and downs since it joined the ACC and, in fact, has never actually won the ACC. Well, the U, just like Manny Diaz, will have been redeemed too, and the U very well might be back. That's just how I feel about it. I want to see what DJ Williams, former Miami star, has to say about it. Okay, we've got DJ Williams with us right now. Uh, DJ, before I ask you if the U is potentially back, I want to get your thoughts on what you, when I say the U, what do you think of? What do I think of? I think of tough, hard-nosed, physical team. That's going to talk trash on the field. And if you got an issue about it, we can see what's up later on in the parking lot. And that goes from our walk-ons to GAs and coaches on staff. Um, It's a lifestyle. It's a culture uh, that's been missing at Miami for some time now. And, um, you know, I'm starting to see glimpses of it coming back. When you were at Miami, so you were the number one recruit in the class of 2000, ended up being a first-round pick star in college, you played with so many ridiculously talented players. Did you guys have to talk about that culture and talk about cultivating the U and maintaining the U from what those guys did uh, back in the 80s? Or or was it something that was just ingrained at Miami? Uh, (laughs) It it was beat into you uh, figuratively and literally. Um, 
you know, when you come in as a freshman, don't matter how many five, how many stars you had next to your name, um, you were going to have to put in the work and prove that you deserve to get on that field and be a hurricane. And, you know, that came from the Ed Reeds, uh, you know, the Marquis Fitzgerald, uh, you know, tons of guys that have put in the time and the effort and was, you know, at University of Miami during the probation time when, you know, we had minimal scholarships and we had Santana Moss and a bunch of other guys coming in on track scholarships. You know, these guys, you know, were getting their behinds kicked by the Florida State and the big name universities. They had the talent. They were just young, you know, and they had the heart. And, you know, as the years go on, you know, they just passed that down to each generation. And it, it, it the day you walked in, you knew what it was. It was you're either going to be a part of this or you're not. And if you are going to be a part of this, here's what we expect from you. So when you left, uh, the Miami was a year away from beginning the ACC play. You get drafted, and then they've actually never won the ACC, which would have you wouldn't have believed me if we talked about that in 03, right? Um, Not at all. No. Uh, what do you think happened then over the next 15 years that has gotten us to this point where we are wondering when or whether Miami has sort of regained its status? Um, I think it's a combination of things. Um you know, I believe, um, you know, the state of Miami, other schools started to come in there and take some of the best athletes. You start seeing guys go to Rutgers and West Virginia. You know, you had schools coming in promising that they would play and start early as a true freshmen. Um, so I believe that was one big thing. Uh, second part was, you know, I, I think just uh, ultimately breaking up of the coaching staff. A lot of people don't realize, but you know, I truly believe we probably had the best coaching staff in college football history, right? You go from, you got Butch Davis, you got Pagano, you got Chadinsky, uh, you got Pagano, you got Shiano. You know, these guys were all NFL head coaches, right? We had Greg Marks, our defensive line coach, who went to the U, was, you know, there in the late 80s, early 90s, part of those badass teams. You had Curtis Johnson, receiver coach, who's now receiver coach in the NFL. You know, my linebacker coach, Vernon Hargrave, Don Solinger, Art Kehoe. Those guys were on Jimmy Johnson's teams back in the days. You know, and then the real centerpiece was Coach Andrew Swayze. He was the heartbeat of the team. He was the reason that we were so physically and mentally tough. And, you know, when you dismantle, dismantle uh, a coaching staff like that, then that, that culture also goes with it. And then the new culture comes in wherever you're bringing these new guys in from. And I, I think that was, you know, the biggest issue uh, with the University of Miami. It was, you know, just the dismantling of a coaching staff, uh, you know, and getting rid of Coach Swayze because he was the heartbeat of the team. Everyone talks about how when Miami has a coaching search, the former players the, the fraternity of them always kind of gets a, a say in, in who's going to get hired. You know, you, the, the, the wilderness of the Al Golden years and, and then Mark Richt and, and he leaves quickly and Manny Diaz. Like, I don't know if you guys got much say in that, but I would imagine that was, you know, kind of weird to watch unfold. What do you think about, though, the job that Manny Diaz is doing now in year, in year two of his, of his full-time tenure? I, I, I like what I see so far. 
Um, you know, last year I knew there were going to be some adjustments. You know, I wondered would the defensive play taper off now that, you know, he was now the head coach and, you know, had a lot more responsibilities. But I like what I see so far right now. Um, I just want to see the team to be tough and aggressive and relentless and violent. Um, and, you know, that's what it takes to play the University of Miami football and also have fun. And I think that's what we lacked during the Golden and Rick eras was I don't think that they understood that, you know, part of the way that we play is brash, talking trash, dancing and having fun. And you kind of see that coming back now with Manny. He's allowing the, the kids to do that. Were there parts of during the Mark, uh, the, the Al Golden era when you were like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, you know, the last time they played Clemson in the regular season was 58 to zero. Oh, I was there. Listen, I was there. I was in the, in the box. And I think during that game, they were honoring one of the, you know, great teams. And I remember Lonzo Highsmith losing it, talking about these guys don't even respect us enough to go into the locker room at halftime. They don't even need to make adjustments. They just took a knee on the field and drunk water. And again, I, I, I would have never thought something like that would have happened with the University of Miami. I just felt like during the golden years, he's a great man. I just felt like there was a little disconnection with the culture. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and I know NCAA has, you know, some say so into it, but the doors used to just be open, right? Ex-players, ex-NFL guys have come back, work out and train. And, you know, all that does is iron sharpens iron, right? Imagine you're a sophomore, true freshman out there, you know, on a Wednesday, you guys are doing seven on seven and Reggie Wayne comes out in the slot and lines up or Santana Moss comes out at the X or at the Y and line up and you go against that guy. What is that going to do to your confidence on Saturday now when you're going against a collegiate player? I think a lot of coaches didn't understand that we're a small school. You know, we don't have the huge alumni um, base, meaning uh, people that donate money. What we do have is the alumni of the players. And I believe, you know, that was more valuable than people giving cash. It was the knowledge that was being passed down onto the younger guys and the younger generations. And, you know, once you started to take that away, you know, you took away a big a big portion of what was Miami's uh, power. So Ed Reed's an assistant now in Miami. Uh, DJ, do you think he's jumping in there on uh, during DB drills? No, nah, he's not jumping in drills. Um, but I, I, I'm sure that he's giving guys nuggets every time he opens his mouth that can be used in actual game day like situations. I'm sure he's teaching these young guys how to study film. He's teaching these young guys how to be young men on and off the field. And when you got a, a legend like that around, a guy that went through it and is a hard worker, it's only going to benefit the program and, and, and the system. So, you know, I applaud what, what Reed is doing. You know, when you think about it, you know, bank account is pretty nice. Hall of Famer, you know, he could just be going around doing autograph signings, hugging people, kissing babies. But no, he decided to go back to his alma mater and go ahead and give, 
you know, one of his most valuable things, which is his time and his knowledge. The College Football Daily will be right back. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Yeah, he has a cool gig, uh, Chief of Staff. Uh, let's talk about Saturday's game. It's a big one. Um, Derek King transferred from Houston against Trevor Lawrence, like a, a fun quarterback matchup. You were a great linebacker. I uh, played in the NFL for 10 years. Uh, how would you, if you're playing De'Eric King, what would you be most worried about? His playmaking ability. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's probably not probably there's a handful of quarterbacks in the NFL that, you know, I would compare him to and not say he's like a Lamar Jackson or a Patrick Mahomes <clears throat> or, or Aaron Rodgers or guys like that. But what he's going to do is he's going to give you five big plays a game. He's going to give you at least five times a game where the play is broken down, which could end up being a sack strip fumble or something like that with his athletic ability and his just style of play, he's going to make five big plays for you. And those, those are the type of things that really can change the difference in the game. And, and as, if I was a staff and I was going up against them, I would try to limit those opportunities. But how can you? Because they're not scripted, right? The, those mm-hmm. aren't things that you can coach and prepare for. I, I, would, I would, you know, get my team and say, you know, let's, let's mentally prepare. So when he does get a big play, we don't get down on ourselves or start trying to take chances. Let's just stick to the game plan. Have you watched much of Clemson the last few years? Yes, yes. I've, I've watched Clemson. Um, you know, Dabble's doing a great job. They're, 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 they're bringing in some talent down there. They're bringing in some guys that can play. Uh, and, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of us, you know, back during my time where, you know, you got a star linebacker or a star defensive back and, you know, you got another guy that just came in as a freshman or a sophomore, probably could be a starter on another team, but they got this guy on special teams and he's going down there and he's taking heads off and he enjoys his role and his responsibility. And he understands that when his time comes, he's going to get out there and dominate. And that's what I see Clemson doing. And that's how they're able to just continue to reload because, you know, once a graduating class leaves, these new guys coming in, they're not, it's not their first rodeo. You know, they, they, they dominate during games where they can get their guys' lives action. And then on top of that, they've been at the program for some time. Yeah, they're, they're recruiting so well that the, the, the freshmen on campus are part of their best ever recruiting class. All right, uh, two more here. If Miami wins on Saturday, is that do – we, do we even have to ask – if the U and if Miami is back, I know we, we kind of, we kind of thought they were in 2017 and they kind of petered out, but a win at Clemson at number one Clemson um, on a Saturday night, prime time, that would be pretty impactful, right? Very impactful. But uh, a win for me doesn't say the U is back. It's how they win. It's the style of play. Um, Mm. You know, they, they can win that game and it can be like, Hey, this Miami team is for real and they're good. But to say the U is back, that's some that's a title that you don't give to someone likely. And so for me, it would have 
I'll be honest. They could, they could lose the game, but how they played the game, and I could feel inside that the U is back, but I wouldn't say it just because we lost. So I'm looking at the demeanor that they take out there on the field. Again, I was there at that game, the 58-0 game, where they didn't go in at halftime. I'm looking at the demeanor of these guys, right, because, you know, they've, they've, they've kind of rolled through the competition thus far. You know, nobody knew about Derrick King. He's not going to be a surprise to Clemson. But now I want to see when a game gets tough and you're playing against an opponent that as, is just as good as you or maybe even better, can you dig down deep and figure out a way to win? Because honestly, at the end of the day, football is about inflicting pain on the next guy, making the next guy quit. It ain't about running routes and all this flashy, dashy stuff. It's really about putting your helmet in a guy's chin and having him second guess he wants to come your direction again. And now if I see that style of play, whether win or loss, inside, I will start to feel like the U is back. That's awesome. Uh, DJ, this has been great. Uh, last one, just tell everyone what you're up to. Uh, I understand you've got a company and, and what's going on with that. Yeah, I got a company called Dime Life. Uh, the website is dimelife.com. I'm officially licensed by the University of Miami. We make a lot of cool, fun, fashionable fan gear try to put a little different twist on it. Um, I'm sure people have all seen the turnover chain shirts. So each year we try to come out with something new and creative and we kind of try to blend fashion with fan gear, right? We're not going to just get your team's logo and put it center plate on the chest. We want to be creative. We're in Miami. We like to be flashy. We like to be cool. We like to give people original pieces. Got a few interesting things coming up. Um, I got a collaboration with Zubas. You remember Zubas? Um, no, Zubaz, who was that? Zubas was that company back in like the early 80s, 90s, and they had like the tiger print, and it was like real loud and crazy. You don't remember Zubas? That's a little before my time, but I, okay. I, I understand well, the look you're talking about. Well, well go ahead. And, very and Miami. Check, go ahead and check out Zubas, man. We got a cool co- collaboration coming with those guys uh, for around Christmas time. But yeah, just enjoying you know, helping my school out, making great fan gear. Awesome. DJ, DJ Williams, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks again to DJ Williams. It was, it was great to talk to him. You can follow him on Twitter at DJ William 55. He's got a clothing and apparel company called Dime Life, a D-Y-M-E-L-Y-F-E. Check that out at dimelife.com. One of the greats in Miami history, first round pick, played 10 years in the league, was actually the number one overall recruit in the class of 2000. So whatever he says about Miami, I believe it. I'm Trey Scott. Our producer is Tony Levitt. We'll talk to y'all on Thursday.